Hello, and welcome to this co-video nasty special of I Spit on your... Fuck, I spit everywhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> on your grades. Woo! Woo! I'm not Chris. I'm not Faye. I might be Mercer, but the paternity test has not come back yet. Um, I am guest from previous episode, Mitch, and all of these beautiful people are currently locked in my basement. Welcome <laughs> to our lockdown episode, Best of the Witches. <laughs> and we have with us today the bountiful, the beautiful Mr. Ellis. Oh, thank um, you very much. Ah, oh, Mercer, your foot is you, no, it's me. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We've got the titacular John Mercer. <laughs> the old switcheroo. I've got my actual wife, mother, sister, brother, Miss Faye Ellis. Hello. Thank you, Mitch. Cheers, pal. I love you. Can I just point out that Mitch has kind of introduced us as if we are the guest? Well, you are. We are in his basement. You are all my children now! <laughs> Guests I slash prisoners, it's fine. I don't know why I was doing him like uh, that person from Sweden. What's that? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I thought you met a serial killer for some reason. My head just went to... Fritzel. Fritzel, Joseph Fritzel. Fritzel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're both in my basement, so... <sighs> Chuck me down a can of iron brew, will you? I'm right Thursday. Fucking hot down there. I am, bro. Yeah. This is early to have material to cut already. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good, we're good. Leaving everything in this time. Everything. Guys, how are you coping through this confinement crisis? We're doing okay. We're not doing too bad. We're missing you lot, obviously. Um, and we're missing the pubs and the cinema. But other than that, it's not the worst. Chris? Yeah, as you say, we're... Uh... Thankfully, we're able to work from home, so we're we we're pretty much living our normal life, bar going to the pub. Yeah, you guys? Yeah, I'm living my best life. I've been in solo isolation for six weeks. Um, realised how annoying I really am, uh, <laughs> which is fabulous. When you have to tell yourself to shut up every day, it gets a little bit. Um, yeah, I wonder how people cope with it. I'm sorry, everyone. And that took so you sorry. six weeks, Mercer, to find out. <laughs> it took well, it took me like. Uh, the first probably 72 hours of being alone and not actually seeing another person I was just like who is this annoying dick in my house oh man <laughs> yeah, Gio that's no give me. over I think my crisis point was when I um, kept seeing these memes about how bad the isolation period was and I realised that that was just my ordinary routine <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I guess there's something wrong with my life, not with the rest of the world. But, so, I think maybe this would be a good time for us to maybe talk about witchcraft. That is why we're here, yeah, so, yeah. That why we not? have nothing better to do. And the millions and millions of people who demanded our return. Yeah. I mean, The Rock, for one, you saw, you saw Twitter, The Rock, even gagging for it. He's like, guys, come on now, fucking get back on it. And we're like, Rock. Calm your rock hard tits. We will. Mercer, yeah. don't look at me like that with your bearded face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I have no idea what you're about. The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> social media. So I, I must admit, I've probably not been following our own social media. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really 
don't know what's happening with us. You Sorry. literally have nothing else to do. That's one thing I you could do. Job. We still have jobs to do. And each other. I have to I have to sit there and get shouted at in my own dining room. Because Mr. Smith can't have a replacement printer. I'm not going into real names. I'm not. <laughs> Anyhow. I forgot how we do this. It's been so long. Um, I think we just start talking about films. <laughs> well, we, we, will, we will discuss our films. We will discuss our films and then Faye loses. <laughs> so, let's move on to the films, I think. We've done the chit-chat. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's do the films. Let's do this. Would anybody like to start? Oh, we should say before that Mitch hasn't picked a film, but he is here for general commenting. Because... Yeah, I don't actually like films. No, you don't. You don't like horror films, do you? Yeah. Honestly, yes, mate. No, if there's one thing I've realised from lockdown is I don't like films all myself. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> don't, know, don't know why I'm here, what, what I'm doing, life, in general, anything. Shall we just cut you off then? Just see ya! <laughs> <laughs> well, this intervention's gone tits up. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to nominate Mercer to go first then. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. We'll go first. So, um, yes, my choice was the 1997 Derry Argento classic, Suspiria. 1997? 1977! 1977! I never realised that Jennifer Love Hewitt was in Suspiria. <laughs> wow! Incredible! <laughs> I, I like Chilla. I made my one, my one lifetime error. Um, yes, yeah, so 1997. 1977 Suspiria. Uh, so, directed by Argento. Uh, by Argento and Daria Nicolone. Um and yeah, it's it's a fabulous film about um, an American girl who goes to a school in I think it's is it Germany? I think it's Germany. Yeah. Is that right, Mitch? It's Germany. Yeah. Yeah. The school's in Germany. Uh, it's a ballet school, it's a dance school, and she goes and uh, she um, things just get a bit weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it turns out that these beautiful ballet dance teachers are actually witches. Um, so for some reason, which we're not 100% sure of apparently, want to kill Susie Banyan. We're not sure why, are we, though, Joe? We're not. Mitch, you might be able to weigh in on this. I said to Mercer before we had this call. I didn't know why the witches were trying to go after her. Like, what? What's their motive? What's the? What's the reason? So I've always maybe thought that it was uh, like a youth envy kind of thing. Because the thing with witchcraft is always that once you've subscribed to the, uh, the like the doctrines of of, of Wicca or witchiness, um, is that you are set in your age range. So when people are old, that's what they stay with. So I maybe always thought that Suspiria was them trying to keep their youth. And this whole thing with dancing and sport, mm. that if you're younger, you're more virile, you're better at this whole thing. Um, 
So I maybe thought that that was them envying Susie. Yeah, it's really it's 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 really weird though because when they speak to the psychiatrist, the elder the elder statesman one, and he says, "Oh, the coven's there, and witches just want to make money." So essentially, the film is witches set up a witches set up a successful dance school. The end, and kill people. Thing's quite interesting though because I don't know whether it's true or not, but something I read about the film is that initially the characters weren't the, the actual characters in the film, the children were meant to be actual children, mm. okay. as in nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but like distribution, distributors and, and like production companies didn't really want to put children in that context, mm. in that environment. Um, but also apparently he didn't change the script so apparently he didn't rewrite it for adults which doesn't make sense to me especially considering that the woman who wrote it was supposed to be the lead initially don't know I didn't know that No. Yeah. well apparently the the female writer was supposed to play Susie but the production company would rather have an American actress cast as the lead to broaden the audience yeah. Um, but the lead actress was never a child. Uh, I mean, the writer wasn't a child, so I don't know how she could have played a nine-year-old. The 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 woman that plays the lead, um, oh, what's her name? Jessica. Jessica, Jessica yeah. Harper. Jessica Harper. Mm-hmm. So when we were watching it, it seems she's dubbed, even though she's speaking, and I I couldn't get my head around why. She's dubbed herself. This all dubbed. Yeah. yeah, this is just kind of a hallmark of like Italian cinema in the 70s and 80s, and, and Chalo as a kind of as a whole, is that uh, they would often hire, it, it would almost be entirely Italian productions, mm. but because English language would have a better read with the general market, they would then overdub them. Sometimes overdubbing themselves, so in the case of... Um, in the case of Susie in, in Suspiria, you've got Jessica Harper, which is an American actress. Phenomena the exact same way. Um, often you would have quite, well, what we now regard as kind of like big talent actors overdubbing themselves. But the reason why that is is because they're playing scenes with other uh, native language speakers within Italy or Germany. or, or Right, Spain. okay. Um, but they're wanting to produce the film to a larger market. So they would, in some releases especially kind of what we got on vhs over in the uk would be these dubbed versions um i think it what gives so many of these jello films like the love that we have them yeah is this kitschy kind of overdub i think it lends so much to the film yeah maybe maybe not maybe not so much in suspiria which is an actually good film yeah yeah certainly in, in the ones that are a little bit more subpar yeah, kind of the faulty Tulpa. They are great. Tulpa. <laughs> um, I mean, like, let's face it. The Beyond ain't a great film, mm. is it? But yeah. there, there, there's, there's like this almost like suspension of disbelief that dubbing adds to it that makes you accept more questionable content a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, but she, yeah. So Jessica Harper is overdubbing herself in this. Yeah. Okay. I do think that the one thing that sticks out about Suspiria more than anything is the look of Suspiria. It is yeah. stunning. It's so vivid and 
bright. Oh, I love how it looks. It gave me a headache and I nearly turned it off. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you! I think, again, um, the, the colour palette choice for Suspiria was, um, from what I've read, all, all there to create kind of a like an unrealistic, nightmarish environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it's all kind of... It's, it don't feel... Real. It's all a bit neon-y, reggy, greeny from the get-go as well, though. So it doesn't really. Well, it's, it's, from, it's from the second that like um, Susie gets in that cab mm. when she's yeah, traveling. In the airport. Yeah. 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 In the airport, it's all like bright greens and reds. Yeah. And yeah. it works. It works so well with Suspiria, but if you put that color scheme in, for example, "Strange Color of Your Body's Tears," so it's. Yeah. Which I hated. I'm not going to go into that. I'll, you know, I'll get into that with Darren Gaskell at some other time. But <laughs> um, I, I can't stand it in that. Like, like Chris, it gives me a headache in that. I, I don't. I can't stand to look at it. See, it's not normally something I like. So with films, I'm not like big on like stylistic kind yeah. of choices. So I, I don't like like. Titles popping up mid film. I don't really like like over the top color palettes mm. normally because they, they they put me off. It feels like I'm not watching a film. But because I think with this, it's it's kind of starts from the very beginning. It's just in built. So yeah, it's, it's not a switch. It does feel like you're like you're, yeah. It does feel like you're in your own kind of weird kind of crazy dream that you've got no control of. Um, yeah, it's quite like, mm. and then. With the colour palette as well, Goblin's music kicking in. Yeah. Like, immediately, you kind of like, it does kind of, it, nothing about it feels like it's got, like, like it's placed in the real world. Yeah. It almost all feels like it's placed, like, in your subconscious. I think the, the music as well it, is the thing that brings this song together. It's the thing that, it, it, it sets up so well a, a scare or a jump. And you know it's going to happen the minute it goes silent. So when the music stops, that's when you know you've got to look out for something. And it, it plays so well. I use the Suspiria soundtrack. is one of my go-to-sleep soundtracks. Yeah. It's one of the ones I play, like, to help me go to sleep. Either that or just, like, scary music. Uh, but, yeah, Suspiria does quite well. I don't yeah. really get that far through it when I'm listening. But okay. it suits me. What, whatever thoughts you've got, mate. If we if we were going to look at kind of what Goblin did and what um, kind of the DP or the or the grip did with the lighting, though, all of these kind of like hyper fantastical elements add not only to the film itself, but they also help kind of detract from the lack of narrative because this isn't a film that you can kind of go first act, second act, third act. This is the story. Oh, was, isn't that an amazing script? No one has ever in the history of time praised Suspiria for having a good script. No, no. Um, and, and these kind of, these, these really, really fantastical elements help di- not distract you from it in a bad way, but add that this is something that is outside of our normal realm yeah. of, of existence, or um, this, is, this is not by any means a realistic film. Like, everything that happens within it is very exaggerated. It's a fever uh, dream. See, for me, for me, it just jars me for a film that I that I'd, I was bored during anyway. Oh! Wow. Wow. 
so I've, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't know how you can be bored through Suspiria. I don't think it really gives you enough time to get bored, if that makes sense. I think Chris yeah, can tell you. <laughs> No, but I, think, I, I don't think the story kind of. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's a slow story. No, like, but the, like with all the lights and the music and. But as you say, there's no, there's no, there's no plot through line. There's nothing to get invested in. Therefore, I'm just sitting there watching a series of scenes that make no sense and I have no interest in. Fair enough. I guess as well. It, was it? It's the first time watch for you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's probably. I don't know. It probably holds different things for different people depending on when you first watched it and how many times you've watched it so you know can i be a middle ground maybe good yeah <laughs> fine fine <laughs> but, um, how dare you sit so, on the fence so this is what has gone now rather bring in a mediator like that's all because of you video. slagging off astronaut's wife <laughs> see, see, do you see how you're going to speech mitch this is yeah, my life Yes. Oh. <laughs> so I, I I came to Suspiria um, uh, like uh, less late to the game as Chris had, but later to the game than most like died in the mall horror fans would. Um, but I came to it with a degree of build up and suspense and reverence that's attached to this film, and um, I understand that in context. But um, I was kind of understanding that is this kind of defining and disgusting movie. I think what was often attached to uh, Spirit and Argento is the like the, the death scenes and the blood content. And I did come out of it going, what's the point? What, I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm. And I get that because there isn't a clear uh, propulsive narrative in there. There's not um, uh, some dialogue that takes you from scene to scene and know what's going on. However, since then, I've kind of really, really got into the idea that it is just this mood piece that you feel this sense of alienation that Susie's in um, because she has literally been plucked out and sent to this school in the middle of Germany, which I, I love that they said it in Germany when this is an Italian production with American actors. It just makes it even more off kilter. Um, and you as an audience feel that kind of sense of isolation and alienation. Mm. And it, it just, it, it makes everything that happens to you, as, a, as, as, a, as an audience member, feel just as weird as it would, in theory, to, to kind of Jessica Harper's character. Yeah. So I kind of I understand that people hold this film up as, like, one of the classics, and in a way it's a really, really hard-to-digest classic. It's yeah. like saying, whoa, this, this Big Mac is amazing, but also try this Eastern Latvian eel egg. It's really good. <laughs> And it's not as easy to digest as the Big Mac, but it's just as tasty. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not even used to it. I love that analogy. I love that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, this this I do. is a hard film to swallow for a modern audience. It's like, and it's, it's not, Suspiria isn't one of my favourite films, but it's mm. certainly not one of my hated films. Mm. I'm there. That's, I'm in the... That's high praise, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, for me, I think Suspiria does fall in, in my top ten. Yeah. Um, just in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess as well it does because it falls outside of, stylistically falls outside of what I normally like. Mm. So the fact that I like it kind of 
amped it up a little bit. Um, I think when I first saw it, it's obviously I was quite young, mm-hmm. uh, and it's when I was going through like watching a lot of like Italian horror films because that's what you get from video shop. Mm-hmm. So you know that kind of like the dubbing is something that I really enjoy. Um, the the story, the, the 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 way it looks. Take away like the kind of colour scheme and things like that, like the way it's shot, the way it looks, the kind of wide shots of like scenery and stuff, like when we're walking, the blind man's walking through the town. The kind of things that, I really enjoy I that scene. Yeah, I think that scene's I, great. I, I, I associate them a lot with a lot of Italian cinema. I think you see it in a lot, like a lot of wide shots, a lot of like a lot of really extreme close-ups as well of people in, in fear. Um, <laughs> Which I do enjoy. Just speaking of that scene, I think Chris might want to add something about that scene with the Italian gentleman with his dog. Yes. Yes. It's, I don't want to say awful because I don't want to slag, I don't want to slag films off. But the sheer, la, the sheer lack of care from a shot of a dog eating pedigree chum to a separate dog's head around his throat is just scandalous. <laughs> It did look like the animated dog from, um, oh gosh, Never Ending Story. You know the the dog in the wall in Never Ending Story? It looked like that. And talk, talk about, talking about close-ups while, while they're acting, she does the most bizarre eye movements I've ever seen in a close-up. She, she was told, right, we're going to go tight on you, and therefore she's assumed, right, I need to do all my acting with my eyes. So she can't yes. stop the moving the entire scene. Because she's scared and she's in the middle of nowhere. No, it's, it's, if, if, someone whisp- if someone whispers in your ear, Mitch, you look in generally, generally a fixed direction, maybe around if you think something's near. You don't dart 300... <laughs> dart around. <laughs> yeah, see, what Mitch is doing now is fine because he's actually moving his head on the video where she sits there with just her eyes rolling from side to side. I think that's quite cool. Is that the um, is that the scene where she's up close, like we're in the swimming pool? Mm. I think um, I quite like them. I, I quite like it. I think I think the close-ups are quite fun. I think the acting overalls, like it's not the best, but I think there's some like proper stellar performances in there. Like Jessica Harper is a little bit sketchy. Let's be honest; mm. she's not like fantastic, but I think she's kind of playing that kind of rich I, I reckon like my mind is like she's rich she's spoiled and she's been like mentioned earlier taken out of comfort zone and she doesn't have to work it because mm. she's probably used to being the most popular one mm. and then in this school she's fresh meat basically yeah um when she meets olga <laughs> olga in the, the the dressing room I, I think that's hysterical i think she's probably one of my favorite bitchy movie characters that I've ever seen. Is Olga the German lady? Yes. No, the yeah. um, she's the one she moves in with Olga. Isn't oh that? yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I love her. She's the, one of my favourite bitch characters ever. Um, she's just like she looks promiscuous. She looks like she don't give a fuck about anything except herself. Um, she's just a bitch, and I like it. I wonder if that's why. You know, you were saying about them casting children. If that's yeah. why the confrontation between her and the other girl is so pathetic. They're sticking out tongue. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think it is. Mm. Mm. Obviously. I mean, that's my, that's my favourite line from the whole film. 
when she is like, uh, yeah, uh, I won't try the, the names that begin with S are the names of snakes. Zara. <laughs> I love it. Um, Super yeah, Mario. Um, also, can I just jump on the fact because one thing that I do love about Suspiria is the death sequences. Oh, mm. yeah. So they are good. The, the, like, that very first death sequence, to me, is purely iconic. Um, everyone knows it. Even if you've not seen Suspiria, especially the scene where she's laid on the stained glass roof, and, like, yeah. her face is through and it's breaking through. It's, um, it's beautiful. The, fir- the barbed wire trap. Uh, which is the most... Uh, if, if you want to see anything evolve to Saw, that is it. Yes. But she did just fall in wire, not barbed wire. I think it's piano wire. Oh, OK. Right. Yeah, piano wire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would that make sense. Really yeah, that's where we that's where we keep all our all our unballed piano wire. Don't worry about it. We'll just go in there and just grab a handful. <laughs> Chris, why is that so unnatural? Chris went. Why have they got a barbed wire room? <laughs> <laughs> wait, where, where did you go to college? Does your college not have a barbed wire room? <laughs> but yeah, the other deaths, um, barbed wire death. Um, I think I know that Chris has criticised the whole dog food um, part of the scene. Yeah, but I kind of love the idea that they use his his. Support dog, his guide dog, to uh, to kill him. I'm, I'm <laughs> stopping the dog didn't die. In the film, his guide dog kind of bites that boy who's getting a bit too close to him. You mean weird it's Victorian ghost, ghost child? Ghost, ghost child, yeah. I don't understand them characters, no, I'll be honest. I don't get it. That child and that woman, like in the corridor, just staring. They're like, like something out of 13 ghosts. They look like they belong in a glass trap in the 13 ghost house. Yeah. And they look, they're from a different era as well, aren't they? Yeah, oh, I would they're, say so. They are Victorian. Yeah, I'd so say so. Think, do you think that they're remnants of the Academy? I don't know. They're, they're, they're kind of souls that the witches have used for their own benefit, their own youth and their own vitality that are now kind of wandering the hallways. Maybe. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want the youth and soul of that child because he's a freaky little shit. I don't want that in he's men. No, no. No. He's like he's like a fucking cord on the cob that's been chewed out and his mouth wobbling around, right? There ain't no vitality there. He's fucking done with. But <laughs> Let him die. <laughs> no one looks at an old KFC burger and goes, I want to chow on that. But they do look at it and go, oh, I miss what it once was. That's what Superior is about. Old chicken wings. Okay. <laughs> And it didn't click with me until I rewatched it today. But the end scene where they go into the bedroom and there's the haggard woman in the bed is yeah, like yeah. the inside number nine heroin episode of Mischief at the end where he goes upstairs. Okay. I was like, oh, it's, it looks I, like I, inside I, number nine. Yeah, I think they were inspired by it, probably. Probably, probably yeah, like. probably. But yeah, sorry, yeah. just thought I'd get that in there. I quite like that end scene as well. I like the zombie Sarah when she comes mm. bursting through the door. 
um, <laughs> makes lots of sense. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, when Chris, talk, Chris earlier mentioned about like her eye movements, when things are blowing up around her, I think she's hysterically funny in that scene. <laughs> Then the school explodes. Yeah, but she just runs out. She yeah, runs she's out, like, oh, she's distressed, and immediately smiles. She what? She runs out distressed. Yeah. She cries a little bit. Yeah. And then smiles and walks off she's as if she's just had a fucking spa. She survived. That is the most inspirational scream queen you could ever <laughs> imagine. Like, fuck any kind of emotional German taxi driver when she gets in the first time as well when she goes sans fair or whatever it is and he goes he's like oh, I don't understand and then it says it in exactly the same accent there's no way to know that she's American when she's getting there well thanks there's literally no point I'm just, I'm just picking I'm just picking up things I just liked about the film that's yeah I'm just just rip it a new one it's fine there's plenty to like with Suspiria there's absolutely plenty to like yeah, I'm not denying that. Yeah, visually it's stunning. Mm-hmm. You can't deny that. Even if you don't like the film, even if it gives you a bit of an headache, visually it has an impact on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that impacts nausea. Well, nausea's still an impact, isn't it? Um, not me- not, there's not many films you can walk away from thinking, I feel fucking physically sick right now. No. I, 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 I was... uh, Freddie got a finger. It does. It does oh. look. It does look great. I'll give it that. I'll give it that. If nothing else, I think it looks great. I think you can't. You can't argue with a goblin soundtrack anywhere. Mm. That's just a yeah. standard. You can't. Um, I think he's got some really inventive kills. Um, it even does a little bit of jello with the glove. Yeah. In it, I think <laughs> the glove. And I think the, the kills are quite brutal, which I think is quite fabulous. To be honest, just to round it up, I think I think Suspiria delivers on like all aspects. Uh, looks good, sounds good. It's got some decent performances in. It's got Udo Kieran. It does. It does. Yeah. I couldn't work out I where mean, I knew him from. I'm like, I know that guy. I couldn't believe it. I've seen Suspiria so many times, and it was until the last watch when I went, "That's fucking." Me Udo. too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and he's quite fit. Um, and he says. Yakult! Yakult! He does because we were Yakult. Yeah. I spent half the film wondering why they were battling with Yakult. <laughs> Those bastard probiotic <laughs> witches. Yeah. Unapologetic in what he does, and um, I quite like it. And to me, as far as like witchcraft films go, I think it's definitely up there with the top. I'm on your side here, Mercer. I am. That's fine. 
I too am on your side. I think this is a magnificent film. I love that it puts style over substance. However, I will fence it in this sitting solely because we're talking about the context of witch films. And I think that maybe Suspiria isn't that infested in its witch narrative as some other films we can talk about today. The whole basis of the film is about the history of the witches. She don't fucking explain it. This is fucking National Geographic, motherfucker. Who <laughs> You've done so much of my pitching for me. Mitch presents film synopses. Yeah, that's I'm what like that's. Mitchopses. Like <laughs> <laughs> Mitchopses. Yeah, so 1978's Rosary's Baby. New... 78. What? what? 78. Did I not say 90? 68. 68. Jesus Christ, quite right, John. So. <laughs> so I'm not the only one who fucks this. So... No, I know, yes. Anyway, so 1968's Rosemary's Baby. So to break down the plot, Mia Farrow with her actor husband moves into a new property in a New York apartment block down by all the theatres and such. So basically like living in Leicester Square or Soho. That's how we established they were paying so much. Yeah, that's how we worked out they were paying so much. She she has neighbours who... Let's say a pushy on the way they start to uh, infiltrate and influence her and her husband's life. They are trying for a baby. She eventually conceives, but something is very, very much amiss. Eventually. Well, the whole way through, so it's very, very much amiss. We know there's something amiss. Rosemary, not so much. The way this, the way this is great is the fact it touched on so many, touched on so many themes. We hit the occult. We had the whole kind of Damien, sort of the devil, beats on the way through. Way through, we had the whole paranoia aspect of them infiltrating their lives. We had the whole parts of the whole relationship drama between her and her husband. We touched every base on the way through to an absolute classic, led by a quite great Mia Farrow performance. I, I, yeah, I mean, like like I said before, I just think Ro- Rose is a character. She doesn't cotton on to things very quick. I think it takes her a long time to actually realise what's going on. Things that normally you would pick up on as a normal person. True, there, there are some red flags go, oh, every, everyone in the, uh, all these people were killed in this building. There was a witch who lived there. Go look around the house and there is a wardrobe block in a closet. Things that may, things that may raise a red flag to some people, but... They might raise a red flag, but let's be honest there, as as a female, I'm the only female within this little group, 
<laughs> I think that's debatable. Masturbable. Oh, my breasts do not define my gender. Um, as, but as a female, you said, like, shouldn't pick up on things. I mean, would you really, really, let's be honest, go through what she'd gone through and go, do you know what? I think that I am carrying the son of the devil. I don't just mean the son of the devil aspect. I mean the whole witchcraft pagan. Oh, can... you believe witches live next door to you? Mate, the chanting, the, the chanting through the walls for a start. She's got a neighbour that keeps coming round and bringing her drinks at the exact same time every day. They're just they're just being helpful and nice. Sorry. They're just being helpful and nice and. Yeah. They... And if, if that was happening to you, like in the real world, I'd be like a bit weird. And in a, what? If that was happening to me, I'd be like a bit strange. What? Yeah, a bit strange, but you won't go, they're fucking witches. This is the devil's child, and my husband sold me out. Can I ask? No, Mitch, you can't ask. You're going to take away. So, I'm going to add, though, that, again, despite our maybe date discrepancy, this is 1967, 1967, 768, right? Anywhere between a 20 to 30 year time span. Somewhere, Somewhere in the olden days. This is kind of post-swinging 60s, pre-satanic panic frame of reference, where people are under the impression that they can be free and love everyone, and their neighbours just want to enrich their lives. It's this blissful ignorance of Americana, and that's exactly what Rosemary's Baby is giving a big old fuck you to, is that you shouldn't trust those that you love. And the, the whole thing of like, well, yeah, the neighbour comes around every day within this kind of like pre-Rosemary's Baby belief or pre-Satanic Panic belief, you've got that, oh, wow, if the neighbour's coming around with a mojito, that just means that he loves me. No, he's actually trying to infect your wound. Well, that, that's, what, that's what's really, really cool is it's, 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 it's actually taking this little slice of innocence and this slice of zeitgeist where we didn't uh, fear absolutely everyone around us that we're in now. So it, I think it's really, really difficult to look back on it nowadays where we absolutely hate even our best friends for double liking our Instagram posts because we just accept it. It was a more innocent time back then, which is... Uh... That, that's fair enough. If you want to take the climate into consideration, that's absolutely fair enough. Except the people who aren't in a life come into her environment and within a minute know something's wrong. You've got all the friends who come along going, mate, you look a bit pasty, which, to be honest, I put down as mild bullying when it first happened, but that's not the case. So they're like, you look shitty. And then that guy comes in and is like, these are witches. And he knows straight away. I think right. that... The, the, the idea of that, though, is that I think Mia's character, Rosemary, is a very sweet, trusting, loving person. And she yep. does change. Mm. Yep. So, it's, so when your friends who haven't seen... Because she hasn't seen her friends for ages, remember? Mm-hmm. When your friends who haven't seen you for ages see you, and you're not, like, the same bubbly, happy person that you were, but you look like shit, mm. they are going to suspect something's wrong. But yes. if, if you're in it every day... You don't even notice. Think about, not to be terrible, but think about people who are in relationships and then the partner kills themselves. 
and they literally go, I had no idea that anything was wrong because they're with them all the time, so mm-hmm. they don't see a decline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who's been out of the picture comes in and goes, wow, you've changed a lot. Okay, okay. It's called plurable deniability, yeah. And it's something that happens a lot in abusive relationships. And I would say, all right, if you don't believe my thing about the general society, then let's extend it, or, or not even extend it, but just focus it down to the relationship between Rosemary and Guy. Now, as, just as an aside, Guy is the most generic name you could give to the male group of people, right? Yeah. It's basically like calling him man. Yes. Yeah? Okay, cool. So, do we think that maybe Guy is a healthy relationship with Rosemary? No, not at all. He's not. He's the master of this, this horrible deploy for her. I can't. But, um, the amount of relationship where someone's trying to sell my child to the devil I've been in. We've all, been, we've all been there, all right? It happens. But, to be fair... So strong, messing me, babes. Guy is the... the he does kind of like... In, not instigate, but like... Helps the, the situation progress. But prior to them moving there, Guy and Rosemary clearly have a very good relationship. And it's actually Rosemary who pushes to move to that apartment. But would you not say... I don't, I, this might be me genuinely extrapolating way too much out of the yeah. film. But yeah. in abusive relationships, does not the male always take the control figure and make gaslight the, the, the person, I'm not going to say the woman, the person into thinking that they are in the wrong and they are the one making the wrong decision? Is that... Is I, Rosemary's, the, yeah. the point I'm making here is, is Rosemary's baby not the most perfect analogy for an abusive relationship that you've seen i mean it is it does it does kind of remind you of an abusive relationship but i also think the guy's just is a victim also okay he's a victim of his own need to be successful to be a caregiver to his wife uh, to his wife to build a family and what or 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 to be there's no more or to be in control. This traditional male figure within the late 70s where someone, ha- that the male figure in a relationship has to be the bread maker, the person that is earning everything, the person that is absolutely in control of the whole you, relationship. You look him at the end of it though, he's not this malevolent mastermind by the time we get to the end of the film. He's just simply, yeah. they offered me this and I had to take it for us. There's no. But do you not think, but do you not think that is then? So the, the, my whole point is then is the journey of it, it showing that man is the decisive factor in the relationship. So he is the one that decides everything the woman happens to. But by the end of it, he is just this weakling. He is person that is serving to this greater good or evil in this case, um, and he is just subservient to the system. There is- so it's the whole thing of saying that. That controlling relationships, um, misogynistic relationships, are just all all weak to this idea that men must rule all. There are two ways I took it, two point of views from where I was sitting. One of them was that it wasn't about him wanting to provide for his family or any of that. He wanted fame. He was getting these bit parts. He weren't happy with these bit parts. He wanted fame. She... (laughs) 
also kept introducing him to everyone. He's been in a play. He's been in this one film, but in most of his TV work. We don't know if it's because she is disappointed that his fame hasn't taken off or because she, like we, I think we discussed, she, she's from money and stuff like that. She wants to push in on the fact that he is successful and he is in TV and stuff. But he, for me, he purely did that for his own fame. That's what he wanted. He wasn't providing for her. He wasn't he? Weren't even in, properly interested in a baby until he thought he was getting something out of it. I think that leads back to what Mitch is kind of saying, though—the idea that the man should be the breadwinner. He should also be the homemaker. He should be able to produce. I children. didn't take it as a breadwinner situation. I took it as a fame situation. He wanted the notoriety. Didn't matter who we were providing for. Didn't matter who provided for her. He wanted that fame. But did you see how bad he felt when he found out he got that part? Yeah. Did he though? Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he did. You you Mm. could see how bad he felt when he found out he got that part. It wasn't a a celebratory moment for him. It was a... Yeah, because if you did, it would make you look like a dick. What? If you did celebrate at that moment, it would make you look like a dick. Yeah, but you were just at home with Rosemary. Yeah, yeah but keeping up appearances to her. The minute she the minute she kicked out that sprog, you were like, oh, well, I've got to go. I've got an audition. Straight away. All for him, selfish bastard. Really, because he knows what's happening at the time, though. He's not disappearing out the door because he goes, oh, I don't want to spend time with you. He knows what's coming. I wouldn't want to spend any time around that. He has left his wife, who believes she's just lost her child, in bed... Being taken care of by random weird old neighbours while he fucks off to an audition. I'm not. I'm not having sympathy for this guy. I'm not. I'm not. No. No. I'm not. Sorry. Sorry. Carry on, everyone. Where, where, I mean, my so, so the kind of point I was getting onto was that I think I think I think Rosemary's baby. Sorry. I, I, no, Chris, you go first. Go no. I'm gonna say, you no, know okay. what? This is Chris's film choice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I want to know why Chris likes this film. So, Chris, why have you picked Rosemary's Baby for your number one witch film? Okay, I'll, re- I'll reel off the re- I'll re- I shall reel off the reasons. Forget we we can include the stunning performances throughout Mia Farrow's innocence, the sheer paranoid wreck over the course of the film. We can reel off the fact that it looks. Absolutely stunning. Apart from the falling apart apartment they move in, dude, I don't understand why I they want that apartment. It's got a it's got a fire in a nice kitchen, but there's a big hole in the middle of the floor as they walk in. <laughs> and then supporting cast are all brilliant. And then if we take in just the whole everything about it, the whole oppressive atmosphere in it, the whole constantly having someone in your house and in your ear, and that whole attitude away. As I say, when I, Watching it again, there's absolutely no way that Aronofsky not take huge strokes of that from from other. Yeah, it is very mother esque. Massively, yeah. Mm. Uh, and also Black Swan as well. The whole idea of obsession and gaslighting mm. and abusive relationships. Like, I, I think that that a lot of this translates to all of Aronofsky's work. Just to take one director out of the inspiration from Blansky, but yeah. Again, with Rosemary's Babies, you had in um, Suspiria, when you've got the end scene, which, which I totally Mandela affected myself with, by the way. Because in yeah. my head, the last time I watched Rosemary's Baby, 
she killed the baby at the end. Mm. And she doesn't. Mm. She doesn't at all. She makes the decision to be a mother regardless of what it is. But when um when you've got all the old people who are looking after the child and he the um the Wiccan dude wants Rosemary to be involved, the old ladies get really offended. And she's like, No, let let her rock him, let her rock him. He's like sticks tongue out as she goes past and gets really offended. It's like, that's their child, they see it as their child, not her child. There's a lot of really childish raspberry blowing. Yeah. Through as a link through yeah. films. It does happen in all the films. It does. Mm. Certainly yeah. happens in uh, mine. I, uh, I like the ending of the film. I like that whole um, that moment when she realises what's going on. And everyone's just like carrying on. Yeah, it's so, on. it's no change and in them whatsoever. Like, this, like, she's traumatised and they're all just like, and in sandwiches are yeah. people coming to visit baby. And it's just like, what the fuck? And I love it. It's, so, it's disorientating. And that's what happens in Mother. So in Mother, oh, Je- yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is running around, freaked out that all these people are there. Oh, Mother's amazing. So don't ruin it for me. I won't, hey, I, I won't. No. Some so, things I think that are incredible about Rosemary's Baby, yeah. and the, the, the first thing I think that's incredible is that Mia Farrow wasn't nominated for a mascot. That's just, uh, like, I don't know how she were. No. I think the transformation with her, mm. like, just the physical transformation that you see the character. Yeah go through is like ridiculous like when she looks i don't know whether that's makeup or the fact that he polanski might have tortured her but <laughs> she like looks like shit when she's pregnant <laughs> like there's no glow like the dark in her eyes and the frailty in her body i feel like i like i felt sorry for her i felt sorry like, that everyone was commenting like, on it oh, everyone what? was telling her that she looked like shit everyone and even even a husband is like, hey, I think it's the worst thing you've what? done. Who are you to judge right now? When she had her haircut. Yeah. I've never been as angry in all my life. The way you treat her with her haircut mm-hmm. and then repeatedly brought it up, I was like, you fucking prick. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she did look stunning when she had her hair. She looked just as stunning when it got cut. In fact, her should be twiggy-esque, a bit like... Yeah, 60s, isn't it? it? So, yeah. Um, so I love I love the transformation that she took, and I think Mia Farrow is ridiculously good in this role. Mm. Uh, it's one of the things I always say. I think I've said it before on other shows. When I watch films, sometimes I think, could I could it have been recast? Who else could have done this? No one. I literally I said I said today I went. Can you imagine if you remade Rosemary's Baby? It would be a shit show. Yeah, I don't know who you'd recast in that role to have that vulnerability and that sweetness. Mm. And that, like, that descent into, like, madness um, and that paranoia. So I love that. Other things I love is, do you know that scene where um, she goes to meet a friend and he's dead? And she kind of, like, walks out into the middle of the room. And she's there. What? And the woman's there. Yeah, but do you know, like, she just walks out into the middle of the road? Yeah. in New York? Yeah. Apparently, from reading up, Polanski legit just said to her, just walk out, no one will fuck you up. (laughs) A proper bow finger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! That's amazing. That's almost like Roman Polanski doesn't care about women's bodies. <laughs> wow! Yeah. I mean, I mean really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
when she's eating that liver, bro, yeah, that's legitimately raw liver. I guess if you go for method. I mean, if, if, if we're going to go on that line, like, obviously, we're going to separate the art from the artist because Ross Robinson has driven some wonderful people to breaking point but made amazing records. Um, we're going to separate it out, okay? And Polanski is a person regarding this. If you're going to push someone to their breaking point and capture it on film, is it worth it in the film? In Rosemary's Baby, I think yes. Because mm-hmm. exactly what we said is that you're not going to get that from fucking Joan Rivers, are you? No. For this same time period, like it's not going to happen. Uh, 100% everything that Chris and John have said for Rosemary's Baby it is a classic. It captures... Everything that there is about being this kind of on your edge in a hallucinatory and vulnerable state of not knowing who you are. Well, I think this is this is something that's so wonderful about the, the kind of the witchcraft genre mm. is that it, it, it's this a pervasive sensory uh, disknowing of whether you're grounded in reality or existing in a supernatural realm. So you, you have it happen. In, in in kind of in kind of all of the witchcraft films, uh, specifically here in Rosemary's Baby, you have Rosemary not knowing whether she's part of this upper crust. This is what the the, the, the amazing thing with Rosemary's Baby is you've got this kind of societal disconnect with the upper class mm. that I love, and that she is not from there, but is just wanting to be a part of it, and that John Cassavetti's character is from it and that they're moving into this really really posh apartment and she just wants to fit in and she'll do anything to fit in she'll even fuck the devil to fit in (laughs) which Um, is evident in her dream sequence where she's she's dreaming that she's on this expensive yacht with all these expensive high-class people and in reality what's happening is absolutely terrifying yeah I would always take it back to exactly what I've been saying about, I'm sorry to always grind it in a societal, realistic sense, but I like to. Um, And for Rosemary's Baby, I think that that this shows the, uh, not necessarily antithesis, but the almost reasoning behind those pricks that decide to say that women want it or that they're asking for it. Um, Because you could say that, yeah, she wants to become part of the upper crust and that she's willing within this dream sequence to become one with the devil. Because her life, her whole trajectory and the relationship in her life has built up to her being part of this upper crust and she will do anything to be part of it. See, mm, see, I thought that whole dream sequence and, and everything was them putting the images in her head as what they think she wants rather than what she actually wants. It also could could be the American dream gaslighting the general public into thinking that they must be this super stylized and personal and successful version of an American citizen. Mm. It could be. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't get the impression that she's desperate to be part of the upper crust and desperate for this. I just think she wants to be happy. I get I get what I get where Mitch is coming from. Because I get where Mitch is coming from because she wants she wants the big apartment. She wants it to be close to all the bars and the clubs and all the 
theatres and yeah. stuff like that. You know, she has those people over for a party and you can tell she's used to this party lifestyle. So, yeah, yeah I, that, I totally I get that. I think she already lives that life. I don't think it's what she wants. I think it's just what she is. Mm. But I think what she really wants is to just have a family. Okay. So... And um, I mean, on a lighter note, when she does have this party where she brings all her old friends back, just stubbing out of cigarettes on her floor. I know, how rude is that? How rude! So I'd rude. I'm so fuming. Apparently, Sharon Tate's in that party. Really? There is, there is some. So, so I think I, 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 I admit I might have gone a little bit too real world in this film. I'm not asking. No, no, sorry. stop. Sorry. not so long ago yeah and therefore he shot john lennon oh i saw it on the shudder cursed films on the cursed films documentary on shudder i think it made reference to it in there yeah they didn't do rosemary's baby but they did do a connection he saw saw someone who's linked out to link to a beatles song coming out of the building so he took that as a sign that he was he did have to actually shoot john lennon yeah but he did shoot john lennon (laughs) Um, do you know what else I think is a big conspiracy what? linked to this film? Yeah. That um, Ruth Gordon won an Oscar. Millie. Uh, as, as, yeah, as Millie? Millie? Minnie. Millie? Millie, yeah. Because she weren't very good in it. She was brilliant in it. She was so I... comical. It was like, That's it the was point. Like a, it was like a caricature of uh, a New York New Yorker. But it wasn't. If you, New looked, New if you look deeper, if you look deeper and you look how she's actually acting, the way yeah. she the way she is done with her the minute she gets what she wants, not at the end, but throughout the whole film. So she'll drop the drink crown and go, there you go, goodbye. And then that's it. She'll just go off. So she's not interested in that at all. She's literally there to keep that baby healthy. And to be fair, at the time, you could get the Oscar for big over-the-top performances. They weren't looking for subtlety at the Oscars at that point. I just think her and her versus Mia Farrow, performance-wise. Mm. That's it. They, it's, it's a, a lot better. Categories. What? It's different categories. Yeah, but still, there must have been some other good supporting actresses around. Oscars don't like horror. And, so. and also, just as a correction, 
It wasn't Jodie Foster's fault JFK got shot. It wasn't. No. It was Ronald Reagan. It was Ronald I can Reagan. see how you've made that mistake. Yeah. I'm still going to yeah, say, yeah. even though Ronald Reagan, not Jodie Foster's fault. Nothing to do with Jodie Foster. Well, that's not what it says on Wikipedia. It says he got shot because of Jodie Foster. Well, if Wikipedia said it, it must be true. Well, someone took the time to write it. So to round up with Rosemary's baby. <laughs> Yeah, the round of the, the thousands of hours of footage we've put of commentary that Mitch has given on the real life, real world <laughs> <laughs> social social commentary, which to be fair is all completely valid and should be taken into account when reviewing and uh-huh. rewatching the I film. Think you saw your little face crumbled, then Mitch. <laughs> did, didn't it? Yeah. All valid. All perfectly fine. That's it. If you look, if you look, if you. If you're if you're looking for a strong, paranoid, oppressive film with a powerhouse lead, then this is what you're looking for. So now we come on to the last film, which is my pick, the best pick. No one's going to deny that this week. Uh, This is one certainly. (laughs) This is one certainly. Mitch will uh, be on my side for. I know. So, for my pick of The Craft, I'm going to let Mitch do the synopsis because I know he's dying to. How long are your bitches in for? So, right. Motherfucker, we have Sarah, Sarah, ba- Sarah Bailey, okay? She's just moved from San Francisco to LA and with her, with her father, her stepmother, she don't fucking like her, but who the fuck does? She's gone to her new school and she is not feeling inside out. Because what she is not big time rush bitch. No, because she has felt herself kind of moving inwards because she doesn't really know what's going on inside of her. It's almost like it's a pubisy analogy, but it's not. But also maybe it's witchcraft. Because she's gone in with the bad bitches. It's Bonnie, it's Nancy, it's Rochelle. We don't forget Rochelle on this podcast. We do not. I just want to say that right now. We don't Rachel True. We stand Rachel True. Everyone, fucking everyone else does. The podcasts, the film festivals, what are they called? Conventions. The film conventions. Did you hear this shit? Before I fucking get into how incredibly classic this film is, in the revival of this film, there has been this weird thing where in the anniversary segment, people have not been inviting Rochelle Zimmerman, um, to play by Rachel True, sorry, um, to, to the actual reunions of this. And this is weird, and it's this institutionalised racism, and we shouldn't allow it. Uh, but yeah, basically, so, Bonnie, Nancy, Rochelle, and newcomer Sarah, and she fucking fab, yeah, guess what? They're all at this wonderful Catholic school, okay? And Bonnie basically observes Sarah moving a pencil in the air. Like, not Chris Angel shit. She's fucking doing it in the middle of the air and amazing. And so it's like, Bonnie goes, well, we, we basically need Sarah in our cavern because we're going to get it all powerful because we need the four corners of the earth. And then Sarah, she, she she's like, this is crazy. I don't want to go there. So she runs off and this vagrant with a snake, this fucking homeless guy, comes up on him and, and he goes, um, oh, wait, you're a witch. No, this shit's weird. Then he gets hit by a boom, fucking car 
Sideswipe, it's almost like she didn't want him to hit on her. Oh, wait. Social, social comment on men and women. No, but nothing. And then all of the comments were like, whoa, shit, she fucking made that happen. Bonnie's like, well, she made a pen go up in the air. What did that watch? It's like a fucking spirograph. No, then everyone else, especially Nancy, because Nancy's like the fucking leader of the gang. Screws them out. Fucking love Nancy. Yeah. So she's like, well, we're going to fucking go join her. And then boom, whew, whew, team up. This is what we got now. We got four fucking strong bitches that's going to move in on this Catholic school. Come on, fuck everyone else. Then we got Chris, right? So remember Chris? <clears throat> Chris, I love you, Chris, but this Chris is not a good Chris. And Sarah really, really wants to get with him. But guess what? Catholic boys are not good. So Sarah's like, oh, fuck you. And then she like, ruins him with some little sex magic and then nancy was like i want to get my scars done and then Rochelle's like Mitch. i want to get the racism done Mitch. and nancy then goes i want to <laughs> get god done Mitch. and then they all go wow 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 because guess what not everyone wants to become god in the craft and then mitchell harrod like, i'm gonna have to stop you you stop Synopsis, not the entire film. That's what we're going to be doing is talking about the film. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say two things to you, Mitch. First of all, yeah, we said synopsis, not the full fucking film. And secondly, have you been watching Kim Jong and the Masked Singer? (laughs) See, I think I think Mitch is giving off a Brad Mondo vibe right about now. I don't know what either of those things are, but okay. They're both lovely, don't worry. They're it's both a really lovely. world where I know where Bra- I know who Brad Mondo is and Mitch doesn't. <laughs> the thing I love about the craft is it came out at the time when I was watching a lot of my eighties. I'd watched a lot of old gore horror, like you know, Return of the Living Dead and all that jazz. This was an era in my life where I was a teenager and I was making my own choices when it came to horror. So I was watching what I wanted to watch. And then The Craft came along and it is this perfect combination of what I call easy horror. You know, so you can stick on and just, oh yeah, this is this is really easy going with mm-hmm. just pop culture written all over it. It's got an amazing cast in it. We've got Ski Ulrich, Rachel True, uh, Neve Campbell, Robin Tunney, Feruza Balk, Christine. I want to say Christine. It's not Christine Apple. Christine. But, um, I, Christine Taylor. Christine Taylor. Yeah. Yes. It's got some amazing people in it, and they play it's they play all the parts so well. Christy Young, Nathaniel Matteson. Nobody knows Also, also. And I'm just, I, I need to just double check it, but one of my favourite names that's ever... Like, Skeet Ulrich is a fucking name, right? Mm-hmm. But also in the craft is, yes, I fucking knew it, this person. Playing Lirio in the craft is Assumpta Cerna. Excuse me? Oh, that's the woman from the magic shop. As, yeah, Assumpta. Like, you zoom in, you Assumpta. The thing that the craft brings to the table as well, which I don't think none of y'all's picks have, is you have got quotable content in there. Yes. 
The Craft is one of my most quotable films, mm-hmm. I reckon. She's going to cry, and then I'm going to cry, and we're all going to cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favourite, I love a woman in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Faruza Balkin, this is just outstanding. I love her. Faruza um is incredible. She is. Um, everyone who knows Faruza Balkin will know that she played uh, Mildred Hubbard in mm-hmm. The Worst Witch. The Worst Witch, yes. Yeah. So I think this is such a classic kind of... Like, such a good move for her to have played um, Nancy. She was pretty well known for Return to Us, though. She was pretty well known for Return to Us. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's like like, the the kind of juxtaposition of being Mildred Hubble, like the worst way. Yeah. A goody two-shoes who wants to impress the being Nancy who's just a complete fucking psychopath. Yes. I think the cast in this film is pretty good, but I don't want... Don't like Rachel Tunner. No. Robin Tunner. I don't. Robin Tunner. I actually don't think she is very good. I think she's quite annoying. Um, I think she's so self-pitying. But I think as an actress, she plays that quite a lot anyway. I'm trying to recall all the stuff I've seen her in, to be honest. I know I have. Empire Records. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She should, apparently, fun fact. She's actually bald when she's making this movie, so it's a wig throughout because oh. she shaved her head for Empire Records. It's a good also, wig. Fun fact: mm-hmm. two other actresses who were considered for the role of what's the character name? Sarah. 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 Sarah were Angelina Jolie. Oh Angelina no! Jolie, that wouldn't work. And then, funnily enough, Alicia Silverstone. That might have worked. I I I don't know if it would have. No. But she would have been too popular from Clueless for a start. That would have been because Clueless came before. Yes. So she before. she's she's too. I think she's too well known for that role. I think. Well, I thought she would have pulled a bigger audience in. Although the craft really didn't need names, actually. I think no, I mean, it, even yeah. even if even if it weren't amazingly popular at the time, the cult status it has now is big. Mm. But I do think like. Collect overall, the film's like pretty well cast. I just don't really like Robin Turner. Okay. I struggle with her. I'm kind of not bothered. Like, I want Nancy to win. Yes. I don't know. But then again, I don't think. But, that, but, that, but that, that's not that's not a problem on on Robin slash Sarah's behalf. Is that Nancy is written as a wonderful anti-hero. Mm. Yeah. You, you, the, the, the whole point of the film is that there's this weird dichotomy. And, it, uh, the, I mean, the film as a whole for me is this wonderful fucking central point of feminism is that you want to care about all of the characters and you want them all to win, and yet they all represent different spires of a spoke. Mm. And, and, and therefore, that, that, that Nancy is this incredible embodiment of self-empowerment, self-belief, even though the things that she believes in isn't necessarily that right. I think and it's the idea just... that she likes. She likes the idea of the power rather yeah. than when she gets it, how she handles it. That's why it becomes too much for her because, yeah. Sorry, Chris, you had something to say, sorry. You don't get a lot. Hate the song. You hate it? Hate it. Why? Bye, Chris. No. <laughs> oh, wow. This is... Oh, God, guys, there's been this horrible 
static interference. We're, we're all existing in this COVID lockdown, and sadly, our channels are no longer able to link to Chris. <laughs> wow. So weird. Would you so like to explain, Chris? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like any of the characters. I don't like the lazy stereotypes that they use for. I know you, you want to. You, I know you want to use the film as a. Mitch has already mentioned it for the feminist angle in there, and that's fine, and that's absolutely fine. And along with the angle that bullying is okay as long as it's for revenge. But if you've been bullied, would you not want to get revenge on a bully? Have been, but I'm not saying bullying that other person right, is okay. But it's your first instinct to go to that if you have the opportunity to get revenge, you get revenge. Yeah, but they take revenge on Sarah, who's not done anything wrong. And that's the whole point, in that Nancy can't yeah. deal with the power. But so, but, so it does, it does, I get what Chris is saying. It, yeah, it does it promote shows the bullying aspect, angles, as in. It, it can be an abuse of power, it can also be like a redemptive choice. So, so we're saying the film's layered. Layers. Layers. Layered. Layers. Like a fucking onion. 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 No, but I, I, I think it's it. I'll be honest with you. I've not come across many people who don't like the crap. So it's kind of interesting to hear mm. as to why. Like, if someone doesn't like it, why? Okay. Uh, I've never, to be honest, I never kind of acknowledged any fall. <laughs> like, like the, the bullying aspect never really played into my... It did mine either. ...of the craft at all. It made me relate and love the craft so much because I, I, not to blow my load too early, but I think the craft is so much about representing the underdog in a menagerie of ways. Mm. Also, it not only shows the underdog as the successor in, in, in Sarah's case, but it also shows someone that might be flawed and that wants to take power but might not know the right route to do it. Yeah. I, I think, like, so many characters within... I don't think there's any, like... You you could say that Nancy is the, the, the villain of the piece. I don't agree with that, but well, let's take it aside. But Sarah, Bonnie, and Rochelle are all inferior, in quotation marks, characters. They all have their own flaws, and they're all trying to redeem themselves and to retain power against their abusers and their bullies... Some of them are doing them in the right ways, like Sarah. Some of them are doing them in the wrong ways, like Molly and Rochelle. Um, the film doesn't take a staunch approach to who you should agree with, but all of them is about fucking finding yourself and about being accepting of your own flaws and just embracing that and pushing it forward. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think that um, I don't think any of the characters manage power very well. I actually think they all... But they are young, so... Sorry? They're young. Yeah, they are young. But I think they all, all... I don't... I think all of the characters have got very negative qualities from, like, the school... The, the obvious school bullies who they the witches who cover exact revenge on. Yeah. And then within themselves, when things don't go the way Nancy wants it, they turn against Sarah. Mm. But then yeah. even right at the very end when Bonnie and Rochelle come up and Yes, we know they're only coming to see whether she's got powers and whether they can get theirs back. Mm. But rather than just leave them be and be like, 
whatever, she has Sarah turns around and uses her powers. Yeah. To to kind of put them in their place. Mm. And That's... we also know because she turns around to her and she goes, "How are you sleeping?" Like they did to her. Mm. So we know that she's not let it go. What whatever they put her through, she's not let it go. She's then used her powers to do to them what they did to her. That's right. the problem for me. They're unlike. That's it. They're unlikable. The they're unlikable the whole way through. Yeah, they've not really got many redeeming qualities as human beings. But you can understand why people like Nancy, specific, yeah, well, naturally not Rochelle and Bonnet. You can understand why they would follow a flock and like follow Nancy, and why they would use their powers in ways that they shouldn't because. Christina Taylor's character does make Rochelle's life a hell. In a really bad way, might I add. And she pulls a phobia in black. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you've got like you've got like Nancy who feels like she's trash or whatever, and you've got Sarah who wants to get with Chris. But Rochelle is genuinely having a racist issue with somebody. That's a yeah, fucking full on issue. Rochelle is, and Bonnie as well. Well, has got the scars and has spent a life probably feeling not just like she don't belong but like she's disfigured yeah and people have bullied her about them as well mm-hmm. so I, I can understand them too mm. and and their journey but i feel like obviously nancy's just white trash that's all she is <laughs> yeah and sarah just tried to kill herself but with her, no real reason i don't even know why I, I still it's fine because they go on about how how edgy and how cool suicide is, and that's how we know they're edgy. Because that's no 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 no. They they there is no point that they are expanding that suicide is the easy way or cool way out. The the way that um that that Bonnie and Rachel say um oh wait you did it the right way. That's not saying that. Suicide is bright. They're but just, in in fairness, Nancy does, she does say then that's hardcore or rock on or something. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's saying yeah. suicide is cool, which is the point I was making. No, no, no. She is. She does, yeah, which is what I said. <laughs> also, yeah, the fact that they promote the fact that she's done it the right way is, mm-hmm. you know, again, I think that does tend to speak volumes. I imagine if fucking Mr. Egypt or whatever in his film, some kind of a, if, if someone said, oh, you tried to kill yourself the right way, people would be outraged because they're outraged by that movie, but, but because it's in the craft, and people are like, oh, it's cool, in my opinion. Um, oh, suddenly the craft's taking it, 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 I'm getting a different view of it. Thanks, Chris. I feel like this is an attack on me. Of course, because... I feel just so like you've not, like, you've, you've not let Contagion go... And you've not let astronaut's wife go, and I think I think we've come to something now that I'm genuinely passionate about and that I love, and I think yeah. you two are just ganging up. I've just got a different view on it. I've look, I've not watched the film with like so I saw the film years ago. When did, is this a first watch again, Chris? Yeah. So it's it's he's got a different perspective. I watched this in 1996. Me too. For the first time. What? Me too. Yeah. So, like my view, like what you often say, things. Sometimes you watch films many, many years ago, and there's that nostalgic kind of feeling towards them, which affects the way you actually 
think about them. Mm. So, and like I said, I've never heard anyone have anything negative to say about the craft. But surely, if, if that were the case, then, if it was just my nostalgia, then people coming into it years later would have something negative to say about it, not not just That's Chris. There'd be a number of people. That, that, yeah, but surely there'd be a number of people. Well, there might be, but most of the people I know are, are people who live in the horror world, so, mm. um, and always have done. Yeah. So, it's just, I'm not saying, I've got at one point have I turned around and said the craft is shit. Because I think the craft is very good. Focusing like we did with Rosemary's Baby and like we did with Suspiria in terms of deaths and, you know, key scenes and shit like that, the craft has got some genius ones. Like, the whole... um, Oh, yeah, the light as a feather, stiff as a board. You've got Nancy going over to Chris and doing the um, glamour trick. It's fantastic. When she loses it. Do you know what's ridiculous about that film? Do you know when they first do the glamour trick mm-hmm. and she changes the colour of her hair? It looks shit. Yeah. But when I agree she with that. from Nancy to Bonnie... No. Yeah, no. Nancy to um, Sarah. Sarah to Nancy. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's that, brilliant. That book thing she does. Um, and then when she, push it, when she pushes her hair off... It, uh, it, that looks incredible. It's quite... They must have do you know why, though? Why? It's because when she changed her hair, she didn't have the belief of her sisters. And then when she did the full transformation, everyone fucking vowed in her. It's a comment yeah, Sarah on how much people believe in her. Yeah. yeah, but Sarah changed her own hair, not Nancy. No, no, no. Sarah and everyone had the belief in Sarah. But then when Nancy did it, Everyone believed in the act of witchcraft. So at that point, they got full power and they'd yeah. summon Manon, it's, stuff it's, like that. And... The whole idea of the craft is that it can only manifest itself when there are multiple people that believe in it. You have to have the four corners for it to work. And at that, and when Nancy went to see Chris, they did. Because they'd already got what they wanted because they were getting out of control and that's why Chris was stalking Sarah. So that's why it worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you mean. It, it, it might be. I just meant it looked. Yeah, I know. I know you like, did. I know you did. I just meant the, like, the that's a filmmaking effect. thing. That's not a story thing. It's not their fault. I thought it was just an effect issue. Fucking 1996. Not Avatar, motherfucker. Bitch. What does oh. look incredible, though, is when she's, like, floating across the room. Yeah. And the yeah. feet dragging yeah. over the ground. Yeah, and she's just saying, you're sorry, you're sorry, you're sorry. That is yeah. probably one of the best scenes in the film. Mm. The way she's hitting her head. Yeah. I love that scene. Yeah. But, I'll say that right, Farusa Bow, like, the, legitimately, there is no other, I don't know what they're going to do with this remake, and I don't know how they're going to do characters, they're not but there is it. no other person no. in this entire universe that will play or could play Nancy the way Feruza plays it, which I think is the way it's intended to be played. Do we know who is playing Nancy in this? Not yet. No. No. There's been cast announced for the remake, but they've not said who's playing who. Okay. But I would would genuinely agree that whoever in this ill-advised, unnecessary doesn't want it remake 
The person that plays Nancy is equivalent to the person that would play Freddy Krueger yes. in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Th- this film has such a intrinsic societal embodiment to the character mm. that we don't want anyone fucking else to redo it. Yeah. Because for me, no matter if you like or believe in what Nancy stands for in this film, she is, going back to what I originally said, she's the feminist empowerment. She is my counterculture empowerment. When I was fucking first listening to Slipknot and the Murder Dolls and Court in the early noughties and was watching these kind of films, Nancy was the person... I didn't necessarily believe in what she was doing, but she was the person that gave me fucking power. Mm. She was the person. Exactly like, on a different level, but just like Sydney Prescott, Nancy was the one that went, oh, wow, yeah, I'm going to fucking say those quotes. And she's going to make me feel this way. That was very passionate. Yeah. I, I, well, you should know this. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I love... Nancy and, and all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Rachel. And I love Bonnie. I love Sarah more than most people in my actual life. Oh, this this film means, <laughs> means a lot to me. So to to summarize, I when you say which film to me, I instantly go to the craft. The craft is the first thing that comes into my mind. It's iconic. It's quotable. It's fun. It's got layers, as we've established. And um, I I think it's an easy choice, personally. So now, uh, just to round off the episode, we've got a little bit of a special surprise. Um, Because obviously, in these times of lockdown, we can't go to the places we would normally go to. We can't go to the festivals we would normally go to. And there have been some heroes out there that have decided to bring those festivals to us. And one of those heroes is Mr. Mitchell Harrod. Mitch is bringing Soho to us online on the... Is it the 9th, Mitch? It is. 9th of May. uh, It is Saturday, the 9th of May. Do you want to give us the deets? Give us all the, the juice? Oh, you want some juice? Oh, some juice. <laughs> you want some juice? <laughs> oh, some sunny D juice. Yeah. That's okay. not juice. That's manufactured shite. Do you want some sugary substitute? I want some sugary <laughs> substitute. <laughs> Pour some sugary substitute on there. Right. So we got a fucking film festival coming to you on the 9th of May. Hmm? Basically, we're all fucking missing festivals now. Why? Yeah. So are. Uh, Everyone is, even though none of the festivals have happened yet. I was just going to say that. <laughs> we're, 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 we're all believe. Sadly, we're all having to work on this fact that maybe it won't happen soon. So fuck it. Got some films. Want it? Have it, bitch. Yes. So ninth of May, Saturday. <clears throat> Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Soho Horror Film Festival for all the instructions, um, we will be going live. I say we will be. I will be going live. <laughs> Want to see my face a lot? Great. I won't be wearing many clothes. Good. And then we'll be sharing some some links 
that are playing some exclusive films for the UK. It's fucking great. The, we've got four feature films that have not played online at all, let alone much of the UK. We've got three exclusive premieres for the UK. I'm so fucking excited about it. And we've got eight short films, many of which have also not played in the UK. So, we're opening the Soho Horror Film Festival with The Lake Vampire, which is this wonderful Argentinian murder mystery um, vampire movie. It's very, very, very chill, very low-key. It digs into the mythos of vampirism so fucking well. I love it. I, I love how it takes this super restrained vibe. It's the perfect opening morning. You want to have a cup of coffee ready and you want to beer <laughs> we're on the beer at that absorb, point absorb absorb all of the vampirism but what are we doing we're opening it with one of my favorite short films i've seen in the last 12 months called the boys club it's so fucking good it's 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 super crazy basically so last year at soho if you haven't been you should come to but last year I opened it with a lot of wanking, which I now <laughs> take to be my main oeuvre. Like, basically, if you want to come to Soho, you're going to have a lot of masturbatory content. So I was like, what, what can I do? Basically, I like heavy metal and masturbation and queer content. So what can I do? And I was just going to combine everything. So, of course, the short film that's going to open our entire Soho Horror Festival is Troy DeWine's Boys Club, which is great, amazing, super, super good. What we're going to next, we're going to Dead Teenager Seance Brazilian short film. It's 20 minutes long. Mercer just got really excited at the Brazilian aspect. I saw it in his face. Brazilian, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be in my element. Oh yeah, man, guess what? So, it's an online festival, but we've still got nine countries. What's up next? It's Witch Stars. Witch Stars is maybe one of my favourite films on the whole fucking lineup. Okay. This is, it's, it's going to play mid-afternoon. You are not ready for this mid-afternoon, because you want to put it on your big fucking TV, and you want to be blown away by it. This is crazy shit. This is wonderful Italian. Everything that we've spoken about in this episode, mm -hmm. that kind of crazy Italian aesthetic. Yeah, this is that. Okay. But also, with a little bit of Sam Raimi, Grand Guignol, like homemade horror aesthetic. Yeah. I love it. This is wild. Absolutely wild. Four friends, they're going on a night out to get away from their girlfriends, and guess what? A fucking meteor lands, and, and a possessed pumpkin mm -hmm. wants to rape them. <laughs> you want to you want listen My to that? My kind of film. You do, you like that. You kind of do. Oh, you, you like it, don't you? Bitch? And we're following that up, because we're going to swear a bit, because the, the whole point of the day is just moving between the incredible subgenres that can happen within horror, mm -hmm. and we will have the, uh, the online premiere of an incredible one of my genuinely favourite films. So, just have a little bit of candidness for you guys. Exclusive, mm -hmm. it is. Um, I view a lot of films for the festival over year and year on out. And this was one of these that I really, really wanted to play in our 2019 edition. 
sadly we couldn't make it happen um and so i'm delighted that we can actually bring it to you guys for the soho horror and film festival and it is every time i die it's the online premiere of roby michaels so intense and emotionally devastating thriller I absolutely love this film. It's one of my favourite films of last year. Like I said, I really, really wanted it to play the festival. Couldn't work it out, but guess what? We're going to bring it to everyone. Everyone can watch this now. And um, like I said, this is is one of the films that I, I absolutely fucking adore talking to people about the films, about what meaning goes into it. If you can't tell from this episode, I love the deep, dark meaning that goes behind every film. And this is one of these that has so much emotional redemption and heroism and self-discovery in its content that uh, I, I really, really can't wait to see what our audience reads from it. Mm-hmm. We're playing with it from some, some really, really cool shorts. Um, the Library, El Libre, and Most Deaths Ever. Super fucking good. And after that, we will have the quiz. Oh, the quiz. Which will be good. I'm yeah. hella looking forward to the quiz. Yeah, quiz is going to be good. Um, That's being done on Facebook Live, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, it's all on Facebook Live. Yeah, bitch. Is it actually going to be so hard? It, it, it's not. It is so hard, but it's not so tough. Okay. okay. Um, we will have competitions for best team name, best team performance, and best team. Yes. Yeah. So that's just one best team. Well, you've got to upload your selfies for best team, don't you? Oh, you know those selfies are coming. Well, we've done a selfie competition for every year of Soho so far. So yep. that is what true. We're gonna have in there. Uh, there will be prizes attached to all of the rounds. Um, I like to think, and I might be a little bit biased, but it'll be quite fun. So we will then do the pub quiz. Gonna take back half an hour 45 minutes after which you're gonna get some fucking short films you're gonna get my favorite ever short film that i've seen in the last two years all of the years of me doing this film festival my favorite (laughs) short film i'm fucking delighted to bring it online for the first time ever it's the online premiere of finley yes this is, this is a 25, it's a little bit longer, it's 25 minutes short from Jay Zachary Thurman. I couldn't love anything more than I could this. Um, I love horror that tips everything fucking on sars. We've got that, we've got another short beforehand that is Rattle by Patrick Rayer, who made a really, really great film at Fight Fest, like, like five years ago. We've also got Selfie Stick from Katie Bonner. Yay, Katie! Wonderful, wonderful British director that we really, really care about and we support. And then after that, we will be steam training on to our closing film, Mm -hmm. our highlight of the whole festival, a film I couldn't adore and believe in more and I want everyone to see it. It is the online premiere, it's the technically London premiere of Chesterberg Make Murder Legal, directed (laughs) by Jamie McKellar, which I absolutely love. It is a wonderful, 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 wonderful UK horror comedy that absolutely lampoons the thick of it and the office and um, uh, zombie comedies and cannibalism comedies and um, 
an American psycho. Absolutely love it. Played with some great short films. And, of course, we might possibly have our festival favourite, Matt Mercer, in a short film. The might go before it. We don't know. Yay! Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Um, that's a lot of films. I've just Yeah, about. you reeled off a lot there. I, yeah, very, I, very. Love, I, I can't, like, fact of the matter is, we're all in really, really tough times at the moment. We are. And we, we kind of don't know how to adjust or cooperate with them. Um, but we, we, we want to do something that is bringing you completely new films for the first time that you've seen them in a way that you can just take a little bit of relief, a little bit of that horror family with you. Uh, for the first time this year, because we, we don't know when we're going to get it back, and we, we, we so fucking hope we're going to get it soon. Um, the la- the last time we did a podcast, um, which we do apologise, has been a bit of a break because we we didn't know what to do, we didn't know how to film it, and you know such. But the last time we did it, we weren't even in the deep of this. It was yeah. just out there. Just uh, out there, yeah. We just had to start social distancing yeah and that was it and now obviously we've, we've had up this lockdown and we've been home for coming months well it'll be over six, six, six weeks, six weeks. Six, yeah and if there's a further lockdown it will be months plural but um it <sighs> i don't want to sound cheesy i'm gonna sound so cheesy i don't care if i don't care if it's it the horror community has been fantastic throughout all yeah. of this They've organised quizzes and festivals. Watch-alongs. Watch-alongs like you're doing, Mitch. You know, we, we had a live strong, uh, strong language violence scenes last night, which was immense. Watching Prom Night 2, it was so much fun. The day watch-along with Cellular Screams. Yeah, the Cellular Screams one. Everyone has just been fantastic. And I don't think people understand just how much we appreciate this sort of content and how important it is to us when we can't be with us friends and when you, we yes. can't get together to discuss this sort of thing. And on the flip of that, I don't think people fully realise how much hard work people like yourself, Mitch, are yeah. to put in to get these things to happen, yeah. to, to keep us together as a community. So, I mean, I, I like thank you for doing the Soho Festival. Uh, like, I want to thank everyone who's actually done something to keep everyone's spirits up because mm. it's definitely been needed. I think as well for... Oh, poor me. For a lot of us, like, we're on his own. Yeah. So, like, these kind of things are really, really, really important to stop us from going fucking mental. Uh, um, but, yeah, um, so, massive thank you. Yeah, to, thank you, Mitch. We should do, like, a, like a, a, a Tuesday after everyone's listened to this clap so that people are actually doing <laughs> something Mitch. to help us. No, I don't mean that as a douche thing, but I think people forget, like, there are other, you know... There are people in this world who are struggling to get through their daily lives yeah. as well because they've not got any support systems around them or anything like that. So these kind of things are really important. Mm. Jumping back to your festival, question to ask. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've said it, but did you say there's going to be some chats with some of the people involved with the films? There, uh, yes, there hopefully will be. Hopefully. So the whole festival will be going live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, with me, sorry. <laughs> Boo! Don't tune in. <laughs> for introductions of every film, but um, we are we are 
we are working hard currently on finding a way that we can do Q&As and introductions with all of our films okay. as much as is willing. Yes. So there's nothing, nothing you can give us now that we can have as an exclusive, no? He's given us an exclusive! Bastard. Some like? exclusive! What'd you like? Answers to questions. What you I mean, I mean, all of our, so all of our films are currently open now. I mean, I guess I could share with you our exclusive poster. Ooh! That would be great. Yes. So, and then we will share that exclusive poster with people. We will take your exclusive content and whore it out. Thank you. I guess as well, Mitch, just... But, to... no, 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 no. You can only have it if you agree that The Craft is the best witchcraft movie. I agree. One. Well, one out of three is not bad, Mitch. <laughs> one out of three is not bad. Mercer? I, I can't do it, I'm sorry. <sighs> one out of four? Two it's out of four. Right. Two out of four. This one of Fifty percent of the people say so. That gives. There you go. You can vote yourself out of Europe on that. So. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, we'll we, we'll take that poster. Oh, Thank All you. Right. Yeah, um, another question, Mitch. Yeah. Just to. Fucking hell! Question time. Is there a cost to this? There is not a cost to this. No. Okay. Exactly what you're saying is that we have been nothing but humbled, impressed. And absolutely ratified by the fact that the whole horror community has come together during this and embraced themselves and, and made all of the things that we, 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 we thought we built our year onto as this wonderful social circle. So no, there will not be any cost attached to it. This is a free festival for everyone that wants to join. There will be... Um, donations welcome if you want to um, it will be divided between running our festival in November hopefully if we can make it happen um, and also supporting the incredible charities and the NHS that are running during these toxic times okay. um, if you want to make a donation it will be massively welcome mm -hmm. however it's not mandatory if you just want to tune in and watch a fucking incredible horror film then you can. But you know, in all the money you might be saving, not going to festivals and not going out, you could afford to give a bit to the NHS. So. Well, I reckon, yeah, let's yeah. go there. Yeah. And did, I'm sure you heard um, Chris ask about merchandise. Any, anywhere we can get our hands on some merch? I mean, there will be some merchandise if you yes. go to our website. You will find some t shirts and some hoodies and some art prints. Um, as you've seen shared exclusively through Spit Race podcast, uh, we, we do have a wonderful, wonderful poster produced to us by the Calgi Art. You can find him at the Calgi, um, which we'll be sharing on all of our social medias. Um, and we will be selling that with an art print. It'll be also on a T-shirt. However you want to get it, it'll be supporting us. It'll be supporting him. Um, Cal's in a wonderful Canadian artist. He made our poster for 2019 edition. He's also got an incredible version for us, which is completely exclusive um, to you guys. So, well, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Share it, like it, 
buy it if you've got the money. I appreciate that some people don't. But this is really fucking tough times. We all understand yeah. that this is so fucking hard at the moment for everyone, and which is why there is no paywall here. If you just want to tune in and feel part of a family, then please do. There's no pressure here. Just become one with us because there's, there's no judgment here. We, we just want to let everyone out there know that this is okay and we're going to be okay. We're going to get back to normal yeah. eventually. And in the meantime, we're going to do everything we can to make it feel right. Amazing. And I'm sure we'll probably hook up somehow on the day. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to do it because we all work off one mobile phone. I mean, John, John, we're going to hook up a hell of a lot, mate. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and can I just say one more thing, Mitch, just about your festival in general? Yeah. Just because I, I, I really I really love Soho. Um, I think I've seen some uh, amazing stuff there. But do you know what? I, I think you have presented the strongest short film sections that I have ever seen in any of the festivals I go to. Um, legitimately, like, so I'm like over excited about. <laughs> I'm really excited about your name. But, like, the short films I've seen at Soho have been the bomb. Like, yeah, pretty much most of them. And I think we can all walk away at least. There's not many short films I like. I know the titles of, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely a fair few from um, your festival. So I just want to say, well done for actually pulling that short film talent out and getting that mm. out to the world because. I don't think um, I think they get lost in other festivals. I think I've said this before. Yeah. I think they do get lost, whereas you kind of you make them part of like the festival and the the feature. Um, well, thanks. So, because well, I mean, for that. The, the short film filmmakers that we have uh, every single year um, are going to be the feature filmmakers of the next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's exactly the way I want it to be. Um, it, short films are this wonderful platform to the next talent that you're going to absolutely adore. Um, you can trace back your favourite filmmakers to the short films that have played in film festivals in decades past. Um, and I'm pretty sure, and, and we want to be at the vanguard of that, and I, genu- I, I do genuinely believe that we have got some short filmmakers in this virtual film festival mm-hmm. that you'll be seeing in a year or two years' time with their feature debut, and they're going to blow you away. So I, yeah. think, I, I, just, I think you do a, a, a better... Oh, sorry, I love all my other festivals, but for some reason I feel like you do a better job at kind of putting them short films. But like The platform that you give them feels a lot clearer to us and, and, and allows us to actually take them, them short films in without... Um, Without them just becoming like fluff or filler. Mm. Um, so, well, doing a good job there. Right. I am. Um, I guess that's Tired. it. Yeah. So, um, Chris, anything you'd like to say before we go? Well, just hang on in there, everyone. Hopefully, everyone's managing or coping. If you need anything, we're here. Both our individual Twitters, which I'm sure a lot of you know, and. You can hear Spit Grays if you want to chat anything. It doesn't even have to be horror films. Anything you want to discuss, hear us up. We're happy to chat at any point. Okay. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mitch, for coming on this evening. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. You keep me going week in, week out. 
one of my favourite horror podcasts. Always. We love you too. Podbeans, fucking love it. Um, let's keep this going. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, thank you for listening and um, we'll put out a link for where you can get in touch with us and all that jazz. Bye. Bye. Bye.